Novel 74 presents How Can We All Make It Into the Future 74 podcast series. On the podcast, we discuss the global pandemic we're currently facing and how it'll reshape our reality and society with opinion leaders and creative minds from all over the world. Let's explore together what the future might bring for us. Welcome to the Istanbul 74 podcast. Today our theme is how can we all make it into the future? Uh, the essential question actually for every sector right now and for our personal lives. My name is Denizova. I'm the Istanbul Design Biennial Director. And this year actually working on a biennial that is supposed to happen in the second half of this year. We'll all see how we will manage that. And my conversation partner is today designer Yves Beher, who is the co-founder of Fuse Project. And he's not only a designer, he's an inventor and entrepreneur who is active in various fields and works cross disciplines, I can say, and cross uh, sectors. Um, yeah, welcome to this conversation and thank you for joining. Thank you very much. And it's my pleasure to be speaking with you. So maybe just right to the topic and um, think about how can we all make it into the future? How do you think you will make it into the future, first of all? Well, I think the future is what um, we always think about as designers. Um, there's no, there's nothing that we, that we do or design purely for the present outside of our own uh, emotions um, that are um, that are part of uh, our work, but um, from a, on a time schedule, um, we always design for two years, three years, four years, sometimes five years um, into the future, uh, which means that um, uh, our eyes are, you know, peeled and always um, always looking for what's around the corner. That's true. And especially in the field of products you're designing, you're actually kind of one uh, or your office is the are the future designers. If I look into all the applications or the technological products you're doing, um, they are actually developed faster than we are living it. Are you also an extensive user of all these uh, technologies that you're designing, actually? I am a user, and and um, what I what I feel is um, really critical when we when we work on these uh, up and coming uh, experiences and products um, is that you know they're they don't exist today. They're not here. The experiences um, have not often have not been created and uh, previously. So we really have to. Um, create scenarios, we have to emotionally put ourselves um, into, into this um, new type of product, new type of experience, and, um, and think about what it will be. You know, it's, it isn't about redesigning what already exists. It often is about inventing, uh, imagining, and solving uh, future problems. Mm. So actually, by thinking of speculative futures, you are creating the questions as well that we don't have for, um, yet, maybe, and then design for those questions that you actually or your office with your clients um, had designed as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll use an example. For example, um, so when we when when we work on August 
um, about seven or eight years ago with my co-founder, Jason Johnson, this product didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So the behavior, um, the features, uh, which you mentioned, um, you know, sort of the emotional connections, the, the, the fears, you know, all those things simply don't exist. And I think what is most important is to really sort of put yourself emotionally into this future product and its use cases and its scenarios. Do your very best to interpret um, what that will be like, uh, what people will want, um, how they will uh, likely experience things, what they're what they will love, what they will fear. You need, you need to anticipate all that. And I think the second phase uh, past this anticipation is this notion of constant refinement. When you launch something, it is just the beginning of really the design work. You've done your best at interpreting and thinking through what um, you think will be happening, uh, how people will use something, will experience something. Um, but the reality is often different. And I think what makes a difference between companies that succeed um, and or, or don't succeed um, in these uh, type of future products is your ability to quickly iterate um, and to take into account the things you didn't expect and constantly refine the product. And this is what happened with August. Mm. I mean, it was... Um, you know, it was a, a good start, but with lots of discoveries. And the reason why I believe the company is still around and, and actually doing very, very well, and we're about to launch a product um, with our um, partners, uh, Yale, and um, which actually will be usable in Turkey, mm -hmm. will be usable in Sweden, will be usable um, in all across Europe, uh, and the EMEAs, so all the way to South Africa. And this is a dream, you know, that we started on seven years ago. And, and certainly that level of complexity is something that we can handle today um, because of all the uh, hard work and building the business and uh, making the business successful. Uh, you can handle, you know, even more futuristic dreams if you're able to sort of constantly refine um, the product and the company um, after after the first initial launch. Can you think of a product that you designed that you would be doing completely different? Do you think that was there a failure that you wouldn't want to uh, repeat or anything? Do you have any feelings like that? You know, I, I value our failures and our successes uh, equally. I feel that um, you can't, you, you have to have an optimistic view when you design and especially when you're an entrepreneur, um, because, you know, without that, um, without the risk and the possibility of failure, we wouldn't start, we wouldn't um, do anything. Um, and, you know, whether you, you're a venture capitalist, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a designer or a technologist, um, you have to use your, the, your best possible human judgment um, to, to make sure that something succeeds. But yet there are a lot of unknowns 
that can make a company um, and, a, and, a, and a product fail. And so, you know, you can't really speak of it as regret. You can't really speak of it as I wish I hadn't done that. I wish because because when you say that, what you're also saying is I wish I hadn't learned mm. or I wish I hadn't mm. uh, grown from this experience. And I think as a designer, we know, I mean, everything we fail on a daily basis, um, sketches, mock-ups, prototypes, um, you know, you, you have some success, but they also show um, what's not working, what has yet to be refined, um, what needs to be improved upon. And I think being in that constant state of uh, failing and refining and making things better um, over time makes you more comfortable with the idea that um, some of the projects you, you are working on um, are simply not going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, is, um, that is life in many ways. So with the current crisis that we have, um, do you, nobody really knows what the future will bring. Um, there are different uh, economists, politicians, designers, or other sectors that are trying to make some predictions in order to feel kind of prepared or safe. Um, I mean, in your practice, obviously, you've been thinking a lot about um, the future and future scenarios. Um, do you feel like prepared for the situation to come or for the future to come because of your practice? My sense is that the only preparation is um, creativity, flexibility, mm-hmm. uh, adapting. Um, these are sort of humor, human traits of evolution. Um, a few months ago, um, you know, we were we were 10, 11 years into um, a macroeconomic expansion. And I used to tell everyone around me, I used to tell my friends, as well as people in the office, how amazing it is that we have no idea where the next crisis will come from. Mm. Um, that that um, every crisis I've experienced um, in the last 20 years that I've had Fuse Project and, and even from before um, came as a complete and total utter surprise. Um, and um, and that's you know I think I think that is true today, and I think it mm-hmm. is true going to be true in the future. Um, but I do think that being in the creative fields um, makes you already uh, flexible, adaptable. Mm-hmm. And um, what I have seen from our team at Fuse Project, uh, but also from many of our uh, partners, uh, the startups we work with and, and, and our clients, is that you know people adapted rather quickly. Um, we've, we have, I have every day with uh, with our clients and um, I am so excited to see that the work is still solid even though people are working from home people are brainstorming you know as teams but they they we end up pulling presentations together across our different disciplines in the studio and presenting those to the clients and everybody is in a way of the fact that Wow, you know, and, and uh, with uh, at a moment's notice, we have adapted to um, a, a different way to um, uh, 
to sort of continue to create things that we feel will be uh, important in, in, in the future. I think we're really talking to a designer who is kind of in the best, or had the best preparation by working internationally around the clock and in different mediums, actually, with different materials. I would like to go to some back to some of your projects that now seem to be even more important than there maybe were in their time. Um, just recently, we could, we could read about the housing project, a 3D printed house, actually. Many of us uh, do have the possibility to stay home and work from home, but there are a lot of people out there that are homeless or that do not have the possibility to stay at home so maybe does this project have now uh, another perspective for you or can you tell us a little bit more about this project well this um this project which is the 3d printed homes we um we have worked on with new story new story is a non-profit um based out of san francisco um is really about applying technology to solve the problem of uh, homelessness um, and specifically homelessness for, um, for uh, this project addresses people who make less than $200 a month. Um, and um, this situation exists all around the world. Uh, people are working, they have families, they're productive members of society, but um, their circumstances prevents them from having a real home. Um, they live in uh, shacks um, that are that um, uh, greatly sort of complicate uh, issues of uh, schooling and and hygiene and privacy, etc. Um, and so, this uh, what was really interesting here is <clears throat> I've worked over the years on on many projects uh, aimed at the developing world, um, you know, supporting education or health. Um, uh, but this one was particularly interesting because this is a new technology. It's the most advanced technology in construction. Um, and quite often, you know, we are not able to apply technology to the people who need it the most um, for years after those technologies have been launched. Um, people in need tend to be the last ones to receive the benefits of um, new uh, cutting edge technologies. In this particular case, the the materials, the the, the construction method, the cost of building, etc., um, and the fact that at this stage we can only build you know smaller smaller homes, you know 500, 600, uh, maybe up to 650 square feet. This all this made. Um, as well as the, the focus that New Story, the nonprofit, has, um, all of this made this technology actually um, more relevant and um, for you know for 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 people in need. Um, and I, you know, I think that is something that makes me very excited when um, when a new technology, when the best uh, and the greatest, um, can actually be immediately applied to people who need it most. I guess also this crisis will um, give a boost to new materials that may, may be used in building in environments or building housing or even in design and technology. I mean, it is clear that we are 
um, thinking about new behaviors of people and new um, approaches to things they are living with or they're using throughout the daily life. Do you have any imagination about which materials might become more important or what in what direction would you want to go? Well, I think in the case of the 3D printed homes, um, again, for, for, uh, for communities um, in need, in this particular case, I think the disruption may be in the way that existing materials are being used, meaning um, the 3D printers are these very large printers and they use uh, concrete. They use um, a standard material that can be found on site. Um, and I, I have found often that the innovation, you know, shouldn't complicate things, shouldn't make things uh, less of, you know, less available or sort of change culturally, you know, dramatically change culturally how people do things or how people uh, uh, live things in, um, in different regions around the world. I actually think it's much more relevant to look at <clears throat> the materials and the cultures um, that are currently in use and have technologies respond to that. So, you know, I, I a, a huge impact to the construction industry everywhere around the world, you know, where brings efficiency and speed. Um, which is something that you know we need when it comes to housing, especially in in cities. Um, but at the same time, you know, I I, I find that sometimes um, improving on what's there, uh, giving it new meaning, making it uh, cheaper, faster, uh, is more important than. Um, trying to change people's cultural behaviors, uh, uh, hence, you know, changing the fundamental materials. Now, there is one exception to that, which is uh, the issue that we have with plastics, uh, packaging and pollution, uh, mm -hmm. where I do think that we need to look at fundamental material changes there, uh, bioplastics and things that are um, that benefit um, the earth rather than um, rather than destroy it. Yeah. Now that we are experiencing uh, the destruction um, firsthand, I think everybody will be more conscious about what they're consuming and how they're consuming. Um, I want to go back to one of your comments that you made regarding an exhibition design. Um, you said sometimes the only reason to do work is to make people happy. <laughs> yes. I, <laughs> I really like that quote. And in what field do you feel the happiest or for what field do you feel the happiest designing for? I think the job of the designer is one that can bring, you know, tremendous rewards um, because seeing people use your product, seeing people um, uh, discover new ways of, um, of, of doing a certain things or experiencing uh, or experiencing education um, is 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 really tremendous and you know it's the fact that they're using your product or, or, or experiencing something new it's really that um, it's changing the way the way they see 
um, the you know the way they live their lives, the way um, they see this particular activity. So for me, um, it is always about doing something that I love, doing something that um, will make people happy. Um, but in some cases, in the case of the of the project that you exhibit. Um, designed for the Berkeley Art Museum um, in uh, around that's nearby San Francisco. Um, this was about collaborating with um, with an artist, and um, and um, you know, often in these types of projects, there is no budget. Um, but uh, when we can afford them, we think it's very important to um, to contribute and to participate in culture. And uh, in this case, uh, somebody's uh, experience of art and the museum. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I think fundamentally, my job is to gift what I see and to to bring you know people um, um, something that they've been longing for, something that. Um, they they want to have and yet uh, don't know it exists or don't know it's possible. And the best compliment that I get is from people saying, wow, I didn't realize this was possible or wow, I thought this is something I always thought would be great, but I had no idea it could actually happen and be done. Um, and I think that's um, that's a really a gift for me to be able to bring that to um, to to people out there. Obviously, for me and uh, for other biennial directors or museums directors, the big question is how we will change the experience of our audiences and how the behavior will be or what will be the new pattern to uh, participate to the cultural life. Do you have any ideas or any? Uh, clever tips. I think we've developed, you know, through these weeks and months of uh, isolation, uh, being having to stay home, having to limit our contact with um, family and friends and the rest of the world. Um, I think we are all becoming very conscious of how important that is. In fact, how. Um, it feeds us. It feeds our soul, just uh, just like food feeds our uh, our stomachs. Um, and I think more than ever, people will seek to come together, uh, and they will realize that um, this coming together is not something to be taken for granted. Um, I think that people will want to come together. I um, will want to go out, will want to be uh, surrounded by others, but hopefully will be more appreciative mm. of what that means. We'll be more, um, we'll have a more humanistic uh, view of, uh, and more tolerance um, in general. I, I, I also do think that we need to have a bigger appreciation um, for the people that uh, help us and, um, and support, you know, um, support us, whether it's teachers, whether it's healthcare workers. Um, and, um, you know, so we all realize that, you know, society doesn't just function within 
um, your own bubble, it functions as a whole because everybody is participating at their own level uh, with their own skills. And um, I see the positive that I see is hopefully an awakening of, um, of what it means to be human and what it means to be diverse. Mm -hmm. Very well said. Um, in 2016, we worked with Beatrice Colomina and Mark Wrigley as curators for the third Istanbul Design Biennial, and our theme was, are we human? So we did a lot of questioning how to understand the complexity uh, about design in our daily life and how much one single design item um is impacting the uh, environment, the human behavior, our daily life. Like how big the net is actually that is uh, spin around one object. And um, I think, as you say, this moment of time really gives us the opportunity to rethink and for the bigger or wider society, uh, it's maybe an awakening to understand um, the spider web maybe that is knitted around our world. How yeah. do you, um, I mean, how do you spend your days actually in this quarantine situation? Um, <clears throat> so we're, you know, we're lucky because we're um uh, quarantine currently a little bit outside of san francisco so we're not sort of in a city um we're, we're less constrained but what i <clears throat> the way I'm, i spend my days is uh working working with my teams um brainstorming reviewing presenting which is not that different from uh, from real life but the other way that uh, we also spend uh, our time is um, juggling um, our kids and their homeschooling. And, um, <clears throat> you know, while there is something really wonderful that happens, which is, you know, they couldn't be happier to have us, to have us as parents all to themselves. Um, this is, you know, this is, it's, it's, it's fantastic for them, I think. <laughs> Lucky um, they are. It is, it, it is additional work and additional juggling um that that we have to do but i don't you know and and i i understand it is not easy it is uh stressful um for you know for a lot of people but personally i feel like um it is a gift um to be able to uh spend this much time you know as a family as a team uh together and um, there's certainly some things that I will take back to normal life. Um, you know, it's it's like when you go and you have a, an amazing experience when you're on holiday, or when you're on vacation, or when you um, when you have an incredible experience with friends. Um, you always think about it before you go back to normal life, and you think about how can we take some of this, how we can make this last, how we can how can we take the the beautiful parts of the experience um, back to, you know, the real life. Um, for people who go to Burning Man, we call this the default world. Mm -hmm. um, and so for the default world, um, and I think we'll benefit from, um, from some of the experiences that, um, that we're going through now, whether whether they're enriching or whether they are um, uh, very difficult and trying. 
yeah, whatever the new normal will be, <laughs> it will be uh, something that needs to be new shaped and the learnings we take from that period. One learning that I actually took from my last 30 days at home is that I'm an absolutely home gym person. And when I saw your new um, project, Forum Life, obviously I was mm -hmm. super happy. So I wanted to ask you, I mean, there's still some time as I understood, so the product is um, ready or will be distributed to its potential clients. But um, is this something you will also use in your home? And can you tell us a little bit more about that project? Of course, yeah. So this is an entrepreneurial project that's um, similar to August or Canopy um, that I um, started about three and a half, four years ago with um, my co-founder and CEO, uh, Trent Ward. And really the problem we were trying to solve, which is very relevant for today, is that um, we waste a lot of time going to a gym and enrolling in classes um driving there commuting to to that activity and coming back home and as we get older um you know past 40 we do need exercising we do need resistance training um, we do need uh well-being habits um such as yoga or meditation um, um and those you know, those habits are hard to maintain, hard, hard to be motivated for, um, um, unless, again, you go to a gym or you go to a class. And um, how do we do this at home to be more efficient, um, to be able to balance uh, your family life and, and those personal needs uh, for well-being and exercise? And I think that was the, um, that was the, um, the problem we were trying to solve. Um, also in a way that isn't just about one activity, you know, cycling or, um, you know, uh, bar or, or boxing. Uh, we want it to be multi-activity so that multi multiple people within the home um, and, and, and yourself as well can access those different things that we find um, important. And so, you know, the big challenge uh, from a design standpoint is, and a user experience standpoint is, how do you integrate this? in a seamless way that fits into the home without looking like a home gym or without requiring a second room, um, a gym, you know, which um, uh, the vast majority of us can't afford, um, don't, you know, don't have um, the size for. And so the idea was to create a well-being station, an exercising station that uh, becomes invisible when it's not in use. And so it functions when it's not in use, it functions as a mirror. It looks like a mirror. You can, um, you can use it as a full height mirror. When it is in, in, uh, in use, um, the arms rotate from behind uh, uh, mirrored surface. The mirrored surface becomes lit by a uh, screen that is um, a large screen that is right behind, um, behind the mirror and um, you start to exercise or do yoga or uh, again do boxing or bar with an instructor which you know at a certain age it's important to have a good instructor somebody who can motivate you um, to know when you start to know when it's going to be over uh, to be motivated to come back several times a week 
So the idea is to um, create the best exercise possible that is also very instructional, very welcoming um, into, um, into people's homes. It sounds logic to me, and I would love to try that out. And also, I think it's important to have this interaction and have somebody that tells you what you're doing wrong. Because as you say, past 40, you're in the need to do uh, some exercise, but there is so much that you can do wrong and hurt yourself. So this might be an ultimate um, combination. So so the, the idea there is that um, because it's a mirror, but there's a screen also within within this mirrored surface. Um, you see yourself and you see the other person doing the exercise. So mimicking is the best way to learn. Mm. Um, and by seeing yourself, um, you can self-correct. But the, of course, um, you know whether it's a recorded instructor or a live instructor, um, there there is advice and there is. Um, uh, 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 sort of self-correction or correction that can be done. Um, you know, if if the instructor says, "Oh, keep your elbows, you know, close to the side of your body," um, I see myself in the mirror. I can make that correction. Um, so whether you use uh, pre-recorded classes um, or um, whether you have an instructor doing a one-on-one -on -one with you, um, that uh, ability to self-correct and to be um to be well instructed in the uh, exercises is there fantastic i have um another maybe a stupid question but this strikes my mind the whole time because um although we're staying at home and it feels like we have more time but i hear from many people that they don't we work more we don't have a good time management since we're all home um, but if you would think of a moment uh, you would like to stop time um, or the world turning, what would that moment be and how would you like to use that time frame? Well, in some ways it feels like uh, time stopped <laughs> four weeks ago <laughs> when, we, um, when we all suddenly had to... Um, gather our things and figure out how to work from home. Um, you know, but to me, stopping time or going back in time isn't really an option. Um, and it isn't something that humanity should do. Um, I think uh, both in the progressive movement and the conservative movement, um, there is this false notion that things were better in the past, that we should go backwards, that we should, um, um, that we should experience things the way they were. Um, but the reality is, if uh, you stop listening to the media that likes terrible news, bad news, um, as a way to uh, sell, um, sell itself, um, is that, is that, we we need to move forward. Uh, we need to design the next chair that will use half of the materials or better materials or non-damaging materials mm -hmm. compared to the previous one because people will still need to sit. Uh, and if they don't sit comfortably or ergonomically, they will hurt themselves. And so 
we need to continue to do things to progress. And I would say even faster than we are doing today. We need to um, solve environmental problems uh, and economic problems at the same mm -hmm. time. Um, because if we don't solve the economic problems, um, you know, the environmental ones uh, will be will be worse because people will just, um, you know, consume the way they used to consume and we want them to move forward and consume differently. So, um, you know, I love time, um, you know, with my family or with friends and um, but at the same time, I look forward to those things evolving, getting better and changing. Um, and so stopping time isn't really on my uh, calendar, so to say, <laughs> isn't on my agenda because I do feel there's a sense of urgency mm -hmm. in moving forward and, and making things better and continuing, continuing to progress as a human species. That makes all sense, totally. Um, since you're so much experience in different fields, it's a bit of a cliche, but still to our younger audiences or listeners, do you have, do you want to give them a message um, about how to evolve their practice or what would be the most important thing to take into, into consideration when they're developing their design practices and trying to find their ways in life as designers? Yeah, I think that's an important um, question and an important role for um, for anybody who's been in the design field um, for a couple of decades or more. Um, and what I often say is that, in my humble opinion, there is a little bit too much emphasis on being a generalist in design. I do feel that uh, problems get solved very specifically, whether it's uh, through graphics or through user experience or industrial design or strategy. And that really the way you build a role for yourself as a designer is by being really, really good at one thing. Um, because when you're really good at one thing, what happens is that your contribution is seen as valuable. Your, uh, what you bring to the table is seen as critical and important, which means that other fields, other people in design then seek you out and um, uh, seek your participation and your voice increases as a designer, whether you're talking to scientists or whether you're talking to business or politicians, your voice as a designer increases as <clears throat> the value of your con contribution increases as well. And so this world of multidisciplinary design, which in many ways Fuse Project was a pioneer in for the last 20 years, it's possible because it's a group of extremely good, talented, um, uh, 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 different you know, professionals from different disciplines that come together on a regular basis because they need each other, because a problem can't be solved from a singular point of view, because a problem can't be solved today from a singular discipline. Um, you know, that we need multidisciplinary solutions. Um, 
but I think everybody feels um, good around them is that everyone is such a strong contributor and will make, um, you know, and, and this is how you make multidisciplinary work um, successful is by having uh, many different talents, uh, 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 high level of capabilities all contribute and come together. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So um, I think I'm coming to the end of my questions, but um, if I'm not mistaken, you have visited Istanbul in the past. Well, not only I have visited Istanbul, my family is right. in Istanbul. Um, right. my, my father was born in Istanbul and uh, my aunts and cousins um, and nieces and nephews um are are in istanbul still um last summer i spent um about two and a half weeks in turkey and a good part of that was in istanbul and um i feel so much of my own um uh upbringing and cultural sensibility mm -hmm. um and i would also even add like optimistic um outlook on the world comes from my childhood being in Istanbul and uh, my family there. And, um, um, you know, there is, to me, Istanbul has a real uh, positive and um, optimistic view. I feel very, very much, um, you know, that, that people are not, um, burdened i think with the same amount of fear and doubt and anxiety as they are in other cities um mm -hmm. i i um so i um i have a very um very sort of close emotional personal you know relationship with uh with istanbul and turkey in general Although this positivity is kind of uh, missing these days but i'm sure as you say in general um, the optimism and the energy and the motivation that the city brings um, will come back hopefully. And next time when we will have the opportunity to travel again, I hope we can invite you and have a personal conversation here in Istanbul. Oh, that would be that would be terrific. I would love that. Um, and I very much intend to be back. And uh, all I can say, you know, from talking to and having many people in our professional network that are in different places around the world is that the cycle of um, the coronavirus and quarantine um, um, uh, with people going back to their lives mm -hmm. and going outside. And, uh, you know, while what we're living today is very difficult and the news are very, um, you know, can be can be um, very scary and uh, instill a lot of fear, um, there is um, there will be an end to it. And um, I think we will be stronger and better prepared for it. Those are really good closing words, I guess. Um, thank you so much for joining. I don't know if you have something that you want to add that you think we haven't tackled and that needs to be said, please um, do so. 
Well, <clears throat> I think you know since you since you are an organizer of uh, a cultural gathering, you know how people come together and how people experience things. Um, I my my strong feeling is that will become more important um, as we um, as we realize now that it cannot be taken for granted. And I think people like Istanbul '74 that um, you know are really putting that together for us, are putting that together for a culture and for the meeting of cultures and for the um, solidarity uh, that cultures need to experience together. I think the work that you do and the work of gathering, the work of sharing and all being in the same experience together is very important and um, will is not being taken for granted to doing that again and hopefully with uh, with you in Istanbul um, in the near future sounds really good and optimistic thank you so much I'm looking forward to that okay.